0: Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, we're continuing the series that we started last Sunday titled, Can We Just Talk? So today I have a question for you. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? I want to talk about relationships. Uh, We're uh, going to be talking about relationships really for the next four weeks. We have some uh, exciting preachers coming up. You're not going to want to miss it in a couple of weeks. We got our own Ross Bryan in the house. Yeah. I already know you're going to be blessed. Yeah. It's going to be good. Uh, my wife and I are going to be preaching in a few weeks as well, which is going to be good. We're going to hopefully answer some of the questions that you guys have. We want all of the questions. Uh, we want to try to. Um, Well, and try to answer as many as we can. Tonight, the title of the message is My Intentions. My Intentions. And my hope for you tonight is that as you leave, every time you would hear the new JB album and you would listen to that song Intentions, you would think, boom, I remember that sermon on Sunday. It's a cue, okay? But no, we are we are actually going to talk about intentions tonight. I believe that uh, relationships are either built by design or disregard design or disregard. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that you're either being intentional in the fine-tuned areas of your relationships on things you're going to say or things you're not going to say or ways that you're going to treat people or ways you're not going to treat people and that you've designed that this is gonna be a part of my intentions towards the relationships around me or it's by disregard. Or you might even say it's by default. I just take the relationships as they come. I'm more reactive than proactive. I really, know, I really don't know how I'm gonna respond at any given times, and the things that I say that I know maybe I shouldn't say, I really don't put any discipline or effort towards not saying those things anymore. I've just kind of accepted the fact that this is who I am. So, to paint the picture for you again, I believe that your relationships are formed and built by either design or disregard. And I believe that healthy relationships are formed with intentionality and by design and by looking at God's word, which is what we're gonna do tonight. I believe that God's word gives us everything that we need in how to have healthy relationships. And so we're gonna go to God. James 4, verses one through three. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there's a little pub table right in the middle here in the back. We have a lot of Bibles right there and they are our gifts to you. So take as many as you like. Maybe you're here here and you have that Bible and you've been reading it every day for months. And you're thinking, I would give anything for a study Bible. Well, you're in luck, because today if you come tell me that you wanna study Bible and you just, you know, I can't afford a study Bible, but I wanna study Bible, we'll buy you a study Bible. We believe so much in the Word of God and that has the power to change your life that we wanna get as many Bibles as in your hand as possible. We believe that it is God's word that is perfect and that is without error. James 4, verses one through three, says this. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within us? You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Everybody say wrong motives. Wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. Let's pray and then let's dive into this text together. God, I pray that, um, I pray that you would be the teacher today, that your spirit would move in this place. Father, your, your text is alive and it's active. It is your words to speak to us today. Father, I pray that we would Uh, truly look at our lives. It's so easy to come into spaces like this and sit and hear words and never really think how we're gonna apply it to our lives. I pray that that's not the case with us today. I pray that we would hear your word and that we would apply your word in our life. Father, I pray that your spirit would move. I speak to every individual that's here today. I don't believe that there's a single person here by accident. I believe that you brought everybody here for a purpose. I believe there's people here tonight that don't have a personal relationship with you. And I believe, Father, tonight, they're going to leave knowing what it means to have a relationship with you and to walk with you and to grow in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. I love the book of James. I love the book of James. James is the, uh, the author of James is the brother of Jesus. So, you know, James spent a lot of time with his brother, Jesus. So let's lean in here. And I love that in the book of James, he is correcting some Hypocritical practices here. And he wants to teach on Christian behavior. One of the most well-known passages in the book of James is, show me your faith without your works. And I love this part. He says, I'll show you my faith with my works. I love James. He steps up and he says, no, I, I think that when you truly receive Jesus as Lord of your life and there's a transformation on the inside... That people will be able to see and feel that transformation on the outside. That there is an inevitable change in your behavior and in your practices when you truly say that Jesus is Lord of your life. In this text in particular, we're gonna see James give some clear guidance in how to treat one another with proper motives. My intentions. What is the definition for my intentions? It's the things I intend to do. That's not very helpful, is it? No, uh, intentions are your aim or your plan. I feel like the word intention gets a bad rap. Because most of the time when you hear people say, that wasn't my intention, it was probably after they did something to deeply hurt or wound you or said something hurtful if you've ever been in a relationship of any kind, then somebody has done something to you and you've approached them about it and you said, why did you say that? And they said, well, that was never my intention that you would take it that way. It was never my intention that you would feel that. And although that's probably true, saying that was not my intentions does not relinquish the consequences that comes with the things that you did or the things that you said. You still said it, and you still did it, even if it wasn't your intention. I think the problem in a lot of our relationships, though, is that we've never truly defined what is my intention? What's our intention? Some of us need to have a DTR, or a DTI. Define the intention, okay? Oh, I'm I'm coming up with this on the fly here. D-Y-I, define your intention. Some of us need to define our intentions in our relationships so that we can truly have healthy relationships by design and not default. Uh, A lack of clear intentions creates a sequence of severe consequences. Let's say that again. A lack of clear intentions creates a sequence of severe consequences. Consequences. And so I want to help you today from the book of James, chapter 4, set some clear intentions so that with the people that you're closest to and the people around you, whenever you say, hey, you know, it wasn't my intentions that you felt this way, it was this, they already know, well, I know that's your intentions, that's my intentions. Let's work towards a more healthy end. Decide, don't slide. Decide, don't slide. Don't slide. It's the, similar to this, the concept of uh, design or disregard, but I, I, wanna, I want this to stick in your mind for just a little bit because I think this is true in, in our intentions as well. You're either going to decide your healthy intentions or you're gonna slide and you're going to experience some uh, pain and some pitfalls in your life. I'm gonna help make this as clear as I possibly can. We've all seen the snow that's happened. And we all knew that the snow was coming. So you had a choice to make. You were either going to, by design, go buy a snow shovel and a little bit of salt and put some intentionality behind it, or you were going to disregard the snow altogether and say, it's all gonna work out for the best. So what happens in, on your driveway and in your sidewalk is if you don't do anything at all, the first day it kind of melts, the second day it is sure, gl- it is slippery. It is glass. And you're going to slip over and over and over and over again. Why? Because you, you chose not to decide and instead slide. And this is what I believe many of us do with the intentions in our life. Many of the things that we slide towards are comparison, compromise, control, a critical spirit, and complacency. Those are the areas that we tend to slide towards if we don't decide in advance, no, that's not what I'm gonna do in my relationships. That's not what I'm gonna be known for in my relationships. I wanna do the alternative actually, which is what scripture teaches us to do. So let's look at some of the intentions in in the book of James chapter four. We're gonna move um, through this entire chapter almost really quickly. Number one, we see comparison to celebration. The first area that we slide into is this area of comparison. But I think the alternative to us comparing our relationships to other relationships, our circumstance to other people's circumstances, is celebration. Celebration. This is what it says in verse three. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. It also says in verse two, you desire and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. So he's speaking to this negative idea of, this negative mo- uh Motive of comparison. I can tell you right now, I can promise you, comparison will kill your relationships. Comparison will kill your marriage and comparison will kill your destiny. There is zero benefit to comparing your life and your situation to somebody else. Yeah, but I'm not as good as they are. It's okay, God has designed you like you are. You're trying to become the best version of yourself, not the best version of somebody else. Comparison will kill the spirit within you and the discipline and the drive within you. I wanna give you some examples of some, some comparison that I think we should remove from our language. Why can't we catch a break like the Smith family? If you're a Smith in here, I'm really sorry. I'm about to light you up. Why are you gotta be like that? Why can't we catch a break like the Smith family? I wish I could look like Matt Slaughter. I'm legit calling out a guy in the room tonight. I mean, the dude is huge, okay? That's comparison. Why can't I look like Matt Slaughter? Maybe one day I'll have the flexibility in my schedule like the Smith family. These are comparisons that we say, and what's so crazy about these these comparison statements is to us, they feel like no big deal. This is just a natural part of our common language, but what you don't realize is, is that when you covet, the more you covet and the more you speak this language, the easier it becomes for you to do that over and over and over again. And what'll happen is you'll covet over something really small, like someone's biceps, but then that will lead to their family lifestyle. That will lead to how much money they make. That will lead to their flexibility. That will lead to much larger scales to where all of a sudden, you're looking at your life and you're like, my life sucks. Has anybody ever slipped into the comparison trap? Maybe you've had a a friend. I want you to think about this for just a second. Maybe you've had a friend to where you never really felt like you could go to them with good news. You're like, ah, this is my best friend. But if I tell him that I got a raise, I know he's been trying to get a raise. I already know he kind of compares himself to me anyways. This is gonna be rough for me or you found out that, that you're pregnant and you really don't wanna tell all of your friends that you're pregnant because maybe other people are, are either trying to get pregnant or it's a really struggle, real battle. And so there's this nonstop from everybody and at every level, from finances to career to family, there's comparison happening. And, and what, what I want you to think about is, is the alternative. If you don't appreciate those people in your life that won't celebrate with you, then why do we take on that persona ourselves? Why are we people that are, that are so hard to celebrate when other people win? You will never lose helping someone else win. You will never lose by helping someone else win and celebrating the victories in their life. Scripture says that this mentality of comparison, it creates a war within. And I can promise you, that if there's a war within you, it's just a matter of time before there's gonna be war around you. Your relationships are gonna struggle. Your marriage is gonna struggle. Your kids are gonna struggle because you've allowed this mentality of comparison to creep into your mind. It's, I, was, I was thinking about this in my mind. It is impossible to wage war and to fight and to covet when you are celebrating the thing that person is telling you. Somebody comes at you with good news and you're like, I'm so stoked that you got that raise. And you're going around telling everybody you're posting a selfie of this dude got a raise. It's so hard to be bitter and angry at that person when you're celebrating their life. So if you wanna combat comparison, start celebrating everybody around you. You know, there are three churches in our city right now that just launched building campaigns. Three churches in our city, Cornerstone, First Pres, and Calvary Chapel. Calvary Bible, they're doing really well. They just launched building campaigns. Am I intimidated by that? Am I comparing our journey, the season that we're in, our culture, our team, our area of influence and our reach? Am I comparing that to them? Absolutely not. I want them to build the biggest buildings they can possibly build and reach the most people they can possibly reach. I'm not comparing our journey to their journey. They're farther down the road than we are. I tell them all the time, maybe one day we can be like you guys. Maybe one day we can have a building campaign. Maybe one day we can own land. We're never gonna compare ourselves, our church, to other churches in our area. We're gonna celebrate them. And on one Sunday coming up, we're actually gonna go visit them. Capital C Sunday, it's gonna be good. And let me tell you, our celebration is gonna, is gonna come in hot and heavy on that Sunday. We're not walking in on that Sunday, if, you, if you're confused on what I'm saying, uh, May 3rd. Uh, we are gonna do Capital C Sunday and we're actually shutting down this service and we're all gonna go to other churches in our area and we're gonna go crazy. We're gonna sit on the front row, we're gonna give it up, we're gonna high five all the servant leaders, we're gonna shout down the pastor like he's the best thing we've ever heard because we're gonna celebrate the churches and the work that God is doing in the city. We're not gonna compare, we're gonna celebrate. (laughs) Comparison lowers your perspective and leads to envy. Comparison lowers your perspective. If you wanna live on the lowest common denominator of your perspective on life, compare your life to somebody else. It's gonna lead to envy, which will lead to bitterness. But if you celebrate, it raises your perspective and it leads to contentment and joy and fulfillment. Uh, My wife and I, early on in our marriage, made a commitment to one another to not compare. And uh, this was spoken over us at our wedding. And um, I, there, I can't tell you how many times it's been in our life when the slightest bit of comparison will creep into an argument in any way. And one of us, and it's usually not one or the other, I mean, it's 50-50 here. One of us will say, hey, we're comparing. And guess what that means? We have designed our relationship in such a way that comparison is a no-go. It's not like, okay, you get a pass this time. That, that comparison actually makes sense. Let's go there. There's never that opportunity in our relationship. Comparison is off limits. And so what happens in that moment is, it's this wake up call to the other person to say, you're right. Let's pursue a, a, a new way to say what we're trying to say without comparing our lives to somebody else. And I promise you, you're gonna have more fruitful arguments or intense conversations, however you wanna say it. <laughs> yeah, I promise it'll, you'll progress much further, faster. Psalms 33.1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Uh, number two, compromise. Oftentimes in our relationships, we slide into compromise, but I want us to go from compromise to communication. Compromise to communication. We see this in verse four. You adulterous people, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. And I wanna give you some examples that maybe you have said as it relates to compromise. I didn't mean to slip again and cause you so much pain. Didn't mean to mess up again and cause you so much pain. I didn't mean to take it that far. This idea of compromise is that you had a Standard, or you try to live by a level of standard and you're consistently right here. You're falling short of the standard at which you say that you wanna meet. Another thing that you might possibly say in compromise is how did we get here? How did we get here? Somewhere along the way, how you got there is one small compromise at a time. Most compromise isn't significant. It's never like... um." You know, you you dishonor somebody and say something kind of hurtful and mean, and then you murder somebody. You know, it's never like, it's never like, whoom, okay, like it's it's, I mean, usually there's incremental compromises where maybe you don't normally say this, but then you start saying it because those are the people that are around you start saying it. Or you normally wouldn't post this, but, it's not as bad as what all of my other friends are posting, and then you get comfortable posting that, and then it gets more intense and more extreme. There's a, a friendship formula that I want to unpack for you for just a second. It's by Dr. Jack Schaefer uh, from a book, uh, "The Like Switch," and the friendship formula is this: friendship equals proximity plus frequency plus duration plus intensity. That's how you form friendships. I like that formula. I think that's very true. Proximity plus frequency plus duration plus intensity. And we see in the text that it says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So however you wanna be friends with the world, you become an enemy of God. So I wanna talk about forming friendships in communication, first with God, and then I wanna look at that, this formula with the people around you. So, first with God, let's talk about creating a friendship with God through, first, proximity. How do you get close to God in proximity? You read his word, and you pray. This is how you both hear from God and talk to God. Now, how we get together in proximity is we stand next to each other. Now, we're closer than we were a minute ago. That's proximity for us. Us, proximity to God is his word and prayer. Next is frequency. How often are you in that proximity with God? Is it every day? Is it once a week? Is it once a month? If, just think about this in relation to us either being a friendship with the world or friendship with God. Who gets the closest proximity in our life and who gets the most frequency? Is it God or is it the world? The world is anything that is anti-God. How is your friendship with God? You're like, wait, can I be a friend of God? Yes. You absolutely can be a friend of God. He wants to be your friend. Proximity, frequency, and the third thing is duration. And w- when I'm with God, is it checking off one verse and a, th- and a throw one up prayer, and that's my duration of my time with God? Well, I just want to ask you a question. If that was your formula, if your formula for your relationship with, with God was the same with the people around you, would you have any friends? Think about your closest friends. You probably want to hang out with them all the time. You want them over at your house all the time. And when they're over, you never want to leave. Is it that way with God? Next is intensity. When you're with God, how intense does it get? I like to think of this word uh, intensity in all realms vulnerability, passion, transparency. like, Like when you do go to God, and you're in proximity of his word and prayer, and you're doing it every day, and you're spending an hour in the word every day. How, may, how many are doing that? Shout out. Yeah. We're true Christians in the house tonight, if, that's, if that's the case. Just telling you. Example to follow. That's, that's legit commitment. I love it. But we do that with other relationships, right? What's your intensity like when you're with God? Then think about that with the people around you. It's so interesting to me that we all want friendships, but so oftentimes we're the worst friends. We don't put people around us. Even when we do, it's not for long. And then our intensity is, honestly, most of the time can be really shallow. I wanna, I wanna change the standard from compromise to communication and I wanna increase our intensity in our communication. When you're with somebody, go there go deeper than you otherwise would normally go. When you're with your spouse, go there. If you are married and you have kids, there's one area in this formula that you need to increase. The intensity. In every way. Why? Because you are in a million different places every single day. You're shuffling kids everywhere? You're you're doing your your work or your business? You're trying to exercise and you get very little time with your spouse. So the formula looks like, you know, frequency every day, duration, very, very, very little. That means I got to increase the intensity by a thousand. So when you're with your wife, you have an opportunity to keep your relationship really shallow over time, never really understanding each other's emotions, or you get the opportunity to go really deep, really fast and say, hey, we got 30 minutes. How are you? Let's talk. If you're looking for friends tonight, this is a great place. I think you can find friendships here. Um, I think Pinewood in general is just a wonderful place to find friends. Our, our mission is not, is not friendship. Our mission is Jesus. But a great outcome of finding Jesus is getting a family, the family of God, and, and having friendships and having people to walk alongside of you. And, if, and don't hear what I'm not saying. If you're here and you're like, I don't know Jesus yet, guess what? We want to be your friend too. We're gonna walk with you. The best place to do that is in crews. Shout out crews. This week, we have a crew for you. The best you is found in a crew. The best you is found in a crew because you're gonna put people around you that love you, that are gonna know you and hear your story. You're gonna dive into God's word together and it's gonna change your life. Get in a crew this week. Does that sound good? Everybody go in a crew? Let's go. Third, control to Confession. Isn't control one of the worst in relationships? How many of you love to be in relationships where everybody just wants to control your life? Change you. I remember early on, even whenever my wife and I were dating, that was one of my things. I'm I'm a little bit of a control freak and and, uh, I didn't want her to be a control freak on me because if you have two control freaks and it's like, that's tough, okay? And so, now, I remember early on in our, uh, whenever we started dating, I was just going on, this is me, this is me, you're never going to change me, you're not going to ever try to control me, I'll come home when I want, you know, blah, blah, blah. She smacked me, okay? <laughs> she, she, no, she didn't smack me. She, she was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. All the while, knowing I'm just full of it, you know? Let's look at verse six, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, this is a key line in the text in chapter four, verse seven, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, This is a military term that is actually referencing you moving into your proper rank in the equation between you and God. You and God are not on the same level. God is higher in every way. We are the creation. We are subject to the creator. He governs every area of our lives. And even in our relationships. so often, we think that we're so gifted at controlling every element of our relationships. You know, I'm just a really gifted communicator. So if there's ever anybody that tries to come at me, I can just talk my way out of it. I can convince them that they're wrong in a very short amount of time. Unfortunately, we're not as good as we think about controlling the people and the circumstances and the relationships around us. I think there's a much better solution and I believe that is confession. Some examples are, if you would be more loving, then maybe I would be more thoughtful. I know none of y'all have ever said that. Uh, You need help. Definitely don't say that one, but that is something a control freak would say. You need help. I've done everything I know to do. No. If you would be a different person, then maybe we could make this happen. Again, don't say that. Never say that in your relationship. If you were just a different person, it's not gonna get you anywhere. But I believe that going to God can do much more than you controlling the situation. We say some uh, a statement around here that says that we believe that God can do more in a second of prayer than we can do in a lifetime of our own efforts. So therefore, what I'm saying is, is that we can work for a lifetime to try to control the people around us, or we can pray and trust God with the people around us that he can do a work that we cannot. I love this uh, quote. It's been said that the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. So in some of your relationships, you've been praying, God, change this person, change this person, change this person. Some of you need to be praying, God, bring me better people in my life. God, I need better mentors in my life. I need better relationships. And can I tell you, when you pray that prayer, God will answer your prayer. God will put people in your life. He'll open up crews that happen to fit right in line with your schedule? Confession leads to submission and produces healing and a power and power in your life. I wanna prove that through the scripture. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. And then in James chapter five, verse 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful, and effective. Confession leads to submission and produces healing and power in your life. Number four, go for, I want us to go from uh, being critical to being complimentary. Now I'm gonna hit a few people right here on this one, okay? Just soak it up. Just take, just take it in for just a second. Now verse 11 says this, "'Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters.'" I think it's so easy for us to slip with our intentions to a critical spirit and have a critical perspective on life. But the Bible says don't criticize. I wanna give you some examples of criticism. It says this, you may say this, I'm a truth teller. I just tell it like it is. If those words have come out of your mouth, you are a critical person. You may be a truth teller. There's probably some truth to that. But there's also a lot of sarcasm to that and cynicism attached to it. There's a way to lovingly tell people the truth apart from saying, well, I'm just gonna come at you with the truth. Another way that may uh, hit you if you're being critical is if you say, "Uh, did you hear about the Smith family? I can't believe he would say that. You're being critical. You have very little knowledge on the situation and you have zero information on his motive behind what he said. You're being critical. The music was too loud, the sermon was too long, the parking was too muddy and the haze was too thick. Hey, 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 let's talk, okay? I'm wrapping it up, okay? You have a critical spirit. The reality is for so many people, there could be 100 people saved on a Sunday and they would walk out the doors and be like, I cannot believe he said that. You're like, wait, are you serious? What about 100 people that just got saved? What about the baptism? What about the lives changed? What about the worship? What about, what about? And I think we become a people that are easily critical, but I think one way to combat that is to make a decision in your relationships that no matter what, I'm gonna be complimentary. I'm going to be an encourager. Romans 12:10. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, outdo one another in showing honor. I think of um, all of the spaces that you could be in. You know, if maybe at your work or maybe in your neighborhood or in your gym, uh, you may have some enemies. You may have some people that maybe talk bad about you, some people that criticize you. Well, I want to tell you that none of those people are in this room. That we want to love you. We want to be your friend. We want to walk with you on this journey. We want to encourage you. We hope that when you come, you leave better than the way that you came. More encouraged, lifted up, honored. Now, I mean, you got to be a little honorable to receive honor, okay? But we're still your biggest fan. No matter, if you're going for something, we're going to, Be there for you and cheer you on. We want to be known as a house of people that love well and that love, and that our love is vocal. It's easy to be a critic. Why are so many people critical? Well, because it's easy to be a critic, it takes a lot of intentionality and discipline to be an encourager. I, I could be wrong here, but I don't know that all of our natural bents are, I just lift people up. I just build people up. I'm that positive, okay? If that's you, God bless you. It's a gift. It may, be your, it may be your spiritual gift. There's probably two of you in the room. For the rest of us, we have to work extra hard to try to encourage people and to build people up. You need people in your life that will pull the shine out of a cloudy diamond. You need people in your circle that will stand up for you when the rest of the world is falsely accusing you. You need those people in your world that will crawl in the valley with you and run on the mountaintop with you. How many of you have people in your life that come alongside of you and say, hey, there's more in you? hey, I believe that God has a plan for your life. How many of you have people in your life that no matter what situation you find yourself in, they're like infinitely encouraging and hopeful and they say, hey, look ahead. The best is yet to come. The situation that you're in right now is not gonna last forever. God has a plan for your life. You're gonna get out of this. The best is yet to come. Don't you wanna be around people like that? Well, then let's be those people. Let's be the encouragers, not just here. That's great if it's here. For sure here, if you're not an encourager here, we're gonna try to shut that down right away. Hey, whoop, that's not our culture. Kind of negative. But no, let's be those people out everywhere that we go. How attractive is it to be a people that is constantly complimenting and encouraging other people? You wanna talk about shining a bright light in your gym and in your workplace? Don't overthink it. Just be nice. Number five, complacent, Or committed. Verse 17 says, so it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Complacent to committed. Complacent is you disregarding and sliding, but being committed is to say, no, I know the right thing to do. I know what scripture's called me to do and I'm gonna obey what scripture's called me to do. Where are you today? Sliding, disregarding intentionality in your relationships, or complacent? Or are you gonna say, no, 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 I took good notes and I wrote down what God is calling us to do and I wanna be known as the latter part. I wanna be known as what God has called us to be, an encourager, a complimenter, complimentary, committed. If you would, um, go ahead and stand to your feet I wanna give you an opportunity now to respond uh, to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, We do not uh, meet here uh, to worship, you know, ourselves. This building is not about us at all. It's all about Jesus. And who is Jesus? We believe that Jesus is God's son. Scripture says that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into the world, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but that he would have everlasting life. We believe that Jesus came down to this earth. He lived a perfect life 2,000 years ago, that he made history when Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God went to a cross and died on the cross for our sins. We could never meet the perfection, the standard of perfection of Jesus, perfect holiness, perfect life. But Jesus could, fully God and fully man. And he took our place on that cross And he died. But how many of you know that he did not stay dead? He rose from the grave three days later, defeating death, defeating sin, and defeating the grave so that we might have everlasting life. And so I just want every head bowed, every eye closed in the house tonight. And if you're here today and you're saying, I love how positive you guys are, I love this encouraging message on relationships, but man, I really want to know more about this Jesus. I have not made Jesus. Lord of my life, but I want to know how. Would you just slip your hand up today and let me know where you are? Amen, amen. So good. If you're here today and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come find me. There's we have our Connect table in the back. I want you to grab somebody at our Connect table. And I want to encourage you tonight do not leave without putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Even during this last worship song, whenever we sing, to put your faith in Jesus, all you gotta do is say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say that you are. I admit that I have sinned against you, and tonight I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you, you have my all. And guess what? When you pray that prayer, just like that, Jesus forgives you of your sin, he comes into your life, and he changes you from the inside out. It'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made in your life. God, we love you so much. And I pray that tonight would be the night there wouldn't be a single person leave the building without a personal relationship with you. I pray that during this last worship song, Father, that you would reveal things to us that we can grow in our area of intentionality and the way that we love one another. And ultimately, God, the most important thing in the way that we love you. Father, that we would increase our intentionality, our proximity, our frequency, our duration of intensity with you primarily, Father, because we know the healthier, we are in our relationship to you, the healthier we'll be in our relationship to others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.